Psalms 117. Put your finger or Bible ribbon there. Then also we're going to be in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. And we'll be in Revelation chapter number 8. Psalms 117 is where we'll start. Philippians chapter 4 and then Revelation <coughs> chapter number 8. And if you would, uh, I just you can put those study notes to the side for right now. You can just kind of put them off. Um, it's for something a little bit later. Um, I've been praying about what God wanted me to preach since Monday. Um, and um, it, the Lord didn't give me notes, didn't give me stuff, didn't give me... <laughs> and, and I've been praying about it. And what God had just kept dealing with me over and over and over is this right here. And I just want to just kind of, before you get involved with all the scripture and stuff today, just maybe ask you a few questions. Um, how many of you are, and I don't want to hear like sick and tired, but how many of you are frustrated with not being able to really find truth today in the world that we live? Um, with every story that's told, there are counter stories that are given. With every article that's written, there's another article that's written to counteract that. Um, we live in days where people talk about relevant truth that Truth is not really truth unless it applies to you, which I don't really believe in that. I believe truth, no matter if it relates to you or is relevant to you or not, truth is truth no matter what. Um, it's, it's just the thing that it's just kind of carved in stone kind of truth. Um, but the other things is that we, we live with frustrated people, and maybe we even are frustrated people. Maybe that there are some people that are in here tonight, and you don't have to be gritting your teeth at me for me to realize that there's frustration, but um, we live in a world where tensions are high nowadays, um, from going to sporting events to even making a trip to your local Walmart. Tensions are high. You never know um, the anger, the frustration with people. You never can get to the bottom of stories sometimes. You can't get to truth. And in the church today, I, I just want to preach something tonight to help you and to share with you what God's been giving me is that you're not going to find truth looking around all these other things. Amen. You're not going to find what you are actually needing in your walk with Christ by looking at the outside world, whether it is school systems or business systems. It, we don't find our joy and our strength from stock market numbers or from court case rulings. We, we tend sometimes, Christians want to jump up uh, when things are going a little rough or the, the boat is rocking a little bit and then want to find truth. Um, we don't need to hold on to those things to find the truth that we need. We need to hold on to the Word of God. And, and, and if you go home this week, I encourage you to read, just I want you to read one chapter of the Bible. We're going to talk about the shortest chapter in the Bible tonight, and that is Psalms 117. But I want you to go home this week and read the longest chapter in the Bible, and that's Psalms 119. And I want you to see how many times, just take, take account of how many times that the word, your word, or your statutes, or your laws, or I delight, or I am pleased, or I rejoice at thy law. Throughout that whole chapter, Psalms 119, David is rejoicing in praise. and He is just thanking God for the word that he has. David in one scripture says that I rejoice at thy word is like one that findeth precious spoil. You know, like, it's fi like finding gold and treasure. <clears throat> and uh, the other question was this, and 
19, or it's actually a statement first, then a question, but in 1977, the year after I was born, the greatest year ever, um, Bicentennial Baby, um, 1977, uh, a game console came out called the Atari, uh, the Atari 2600, and it was a gaming console, you know, Now I'm not talking about the Commodore 64 computers and stuff, but when the Atari came out, one of the greatest things that they incorporated into the gaming console was one button. And in 1985, it seemed like the Nintendo industry, when the Nintendo came out, they kind of perfected it and made it simple and made it even better. But it's the reset button. How many of you have ever just thought about, I wish I had a reset button in life and in my walk with the Lord, and it could start all over? What was great about the reset button that Nintendo made, and I'm this inside geeky dork computer person, um, but what was great and different from the Atari when they came out with it in 1977, the Atari had this like toggle switch. I mean, it looked like a, a lever, you know, and when you got beat, you just done it all, you know. I remember the first time I met Brandon West, we were talking about, you know, I asked him, did he play any sports and stuff in Mississippi, and he said, oh, yeah. He said, we made it all the way to the championship game, and uh, my year, he said, uh, but we didn't lose, and I said, well, somebody had to lose. He said, no, I turned my PlayStation off, you know, <laughs> but on the reset button on the old Ataris, you put those cartridges in, you, first you blew them out, thinking that was magic dust, and then you put it in there, and it worked somehow, and you would do that reset button. It was like, no, you didn't start over from where you were. You started over from the very beginning. And Nintendo kind of perfected it, and they put like this chip inside some of the gaming cartridges that you could hold the reset button in and turn the power off, and it saved you where you were best at, like the last position where you were best. And, well, would that be good for us today? To be able to go back to where we were really living for the Lord, on fire and excited, and then, man, we could go back a few days and go, I don't want to go all the way back to the beginning just to win, you know, three days ago, Lord. We can't do that. There is no reset button. But we're going to talk about something tonight that will help us. In, in, um, so many times in looking for the truth, when you look at for truth in the wrong sources, then what you're going to cause in your life is total disappointment. When, when you live for things that are temporary or temporal, you're going to be disappointed in your life because those things are going to come and go. When you live, and please don't take offense when I say this, but when you live for the greatest new fad of clothing and then another thing comes out, things change. When you live for uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks or the greatest baseball pitchers and stuff and they go out, then it's just, it's always replaced by something. And so we've got to find a source in our life, a certain concrete or a certain substance that we can go, all right, this is never changing. This is never, this is immovable. It's, it's, it's stable. It will never change. It will never be altered. And the Bible says that's what the Word of God is. It says uh, to us that Jesus Christ, being the Word of God himself, is the same yesterday, today, and shall be forevermore. The Bible tells us that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will not fade away. Man, it will never fade away. Heaven and earth, the Bible says, shall fade away, but my word shall stand forever. Amen. And so in our Christian life, and I'm not talking about outside, but I'm talking about in our Christian life, we've got to start looking to the Bible. And I encourage you. Listen, I talk with pastors all the time, different pastors of churches, some that pastor three to 4,000 people, some that pastor only about three or four people. And one of their biggest things that they see when they talk with the congregation is, is they're not reading their Bible and they're not praying. And I'm like, that, that's shame on us, really and truly. You should find time to read the Bible. 
You need to find time, not, not just kind of like, okay, I need to get it in there. You need to find time where you're in the Word of God. And you have so much at your hand today of resources to help you. You have apps on the phone, on computers, that actually will, if you want to study about anxiety or you want to study about um, spiritual disciplines and stuff like that, you can look these things up and they will walk you through scriptures and people have already laid this stuff out and it's right at our fingertips, but there's nothing greater than just you either waking up early, in the middle of the day, whenever you can find time to read the word of God. Just get in the book. You say, Brother Steve, and here's what happens. And when I speak to young teenagers, my own sons, and we talk about these things, is that people are intimidated by the Bible because it seems so big. And sometimes it seems so deep, especially when your pastor is preaching about Revelation and these things get very deep and stuff. And it seems like the scope of it all is so huge and that you're never going to get it. I promise you that we all start in the same way, is that we get it little by little by little. And God says when you're faithful over the little, then he'll give you more. When you're faithful over that little, he'll give you more. It's just like a baby that you have fed, that when you get them to eat those just mushed up, nasty, pureed carrots and sweet potatoes, eventually they're going to grow into the point where they actually get a real sweet potato. I'm not convinced that what's in the jar is real, but they're going to get a real sweet potato and they'll be able to do it, but you can't do it off the bat. So don't be intimidated by the Word of God, and don't be intimidated with prayer. Don't be intimidated with talking to the Lord and just being real with Him, being open and honest with Him. You know, being a pastor for 19 years has really uh, helped me out because a lot of the kids from the church, they come to our house sometimes, you know, and uh, when they come over, I mean, they've come over and they're a little bitty. I, c- I can tell you about the prayers of Brody Barnes. I can tell you the prayers of Josh Suddeth and when we sit down to eat and just the simplicity of their prayers, and they all started somewhere. So if you're not praying, you're not reading your Bible, I'm pleading with you. I'm asking you, get into the Word and get into communication with God, okay? Because those two things actually go together like peanut butter and jelly. They actually fit together because when you pray, you read the Word to hear from Him. When you read the Word to hear from Him, you pray and ask Him for discernment and wisdom, amen? Tonight I want to preach to you about if we had a reset button, could we be able to do it? Look at Psalms chapter number 117 with me first. <clears throat> and I, uh, I'm going to preach to you about praising the Lord. It says, praise, oh praise the Lord. Look at what it says, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Oh praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Doesn't that sound familiar to Revelation chapter number 4 and 5 in the throne room that the 24 elders are before the throne of God? They're glorifying God and they're praising God, which was Old Testament Christian or Old Testament believers and New Testament believers combined together. But you know what it reminds me of more than anything? It reminds me of Revelation chapter number 7 where there was this big time out where God said, listen, hold back the four corners of the earth. Don't blow against there until my, my people are sealed in their foreheads. You remember they went down and sealed them all? But then what happened in Revelation chapter number 7 toward the end of it all? You remember the Bible says after that those were sealed that he saw a number that could not be numbered of all 
tongues and nations and tribes and peoples. And it says that there were so many of them, he couldn't even number them. And listen, they were praising God. They were giving glory to God. You know what praise is? Praise is something is that it, it goes together with worship. We, we call some music today praise and worship. And then I've all, me and Brandon's talked before about this. I always like to call it worship and praise. Because worship is what is generated inside the believer that brings out praise. Amen? In other words, it's not you can't get the, the, uh, the cart before the horse. Uh, I know that we use that, and we use that term, and I'm not knocking anybody, but if you, you really dissect what worship is, worship takes place, first of all, not out here. It takes place in here. Worship is when we are realizing within our minds and within our souls, our spirits, that God is greater, and we should serve him, and we should worship him. And when we begin to realize that, what do we do? Peter, what did he do? When he realized that Jesus was the Son of God there, when all those fish were caught, remember, what did Peter do? Carl, it says that he fell down in the boat on his knees before the Lord, and he said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And what he was saying was the exact same thing that Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I'm a sinful man, an unclean man, you know. But the Bible says that the angel came down and touched his lips with the coals, you know, the, that was off the altar and stuff, and told him that he had great things for him to do. And he said, Lord, here, I'm right here. Send me, right? Here, here am I, or here I am. I'm ready to go. Go and do those things. Worship is when we get into the presence of God so much. And listen, it can happen here at church, and it can happen at home. When it's really dangerous is when it happens on the interstate. You need to pull over because you're driving under the influence, seriously, of the influence of the Spirit of God. And uh, worship begins to stir up in here, but it has to come out. Worship has to come out. If it doesn't come out, then what you're doing is, is you're grieving the Spirit of God. And worship's got to come out. And sometimes it comes out in the form of praise. Sometimes it comes out in the form of clapping. Sometimes it comes out in the form of you can do nothing but just weep in his presence, and thank him, and be gracious, and, and give gratitude to him for what he has done, you know, and when it starts within us, David was talking about in Psalms 117, he said, oh, praise the Lord, and when he says the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, all capitals right there, what he was talking about was, listen, that we should praise Yahweh, that we should praise Jehovah God, that he is the one that is above all. When, <clears throat> when that word is used right there, it's actually a transliterated word from the word of Yahweh. Yahweh was a word that did not have the vowels. It just had the consonants. And when God told Moses, Moses said, who am I going to tell them that sent me here? Who am I going to tell them that wants me to lead them out? All this stuff. He said, you tell them who? The I am. And what he was saying there was that the Yahweh, the one that is above all, the I am everything, and even Jesus fulfilled that. This, hopefully this is getting you stirred up a little bit. But even Jesus fulfilled that. How did he fulfill it? He said, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the resurrection. Amen. The truth and the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He kept saying over and over what his father said about being Yahweh and what he was saying is that I am the God of all gods. Jesus was saying, I am everything that you will ever need. I'm the bread. I'm the life. I'm the breath. I'm the water. I'm everything. Amen. And so David begins to get excited and he says, oh, praise you the Lord. He said, what he's saying is in our country terminology, he was like, I would that you would all praise the Lord together. David was coming in. David was a guy that loved to say things like, I was glad when they sent unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, David was one that would say, come into his house with th or presence with thanksgiving. Amen. He was the one that said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. David, over and over, he loved to praise God so much that he got in trouble for him. 
The Bible even teaches us at one time that David was trying to get the Ark of the Covenant brought back into Jerusalem. Do you remember what happened, though? They put it on a cart instead of carrying it like it should have been carried on the poles. And you remember the man reached up and touched it and he died. And David began to get a little bit of anger and he began to get frustrated about why that happened. And so he left it there in the place that it was at and he left it for like five months. But then all of a sudden, the man's name, Obed-Edom, right? How about that name? Huh? Yeah, you'd like to have that name. And uh, he had to be like from southern Georgia or something. But what happened to him? The Bible says that he began to be blessed so much because of the ark of God. And the presence of God was there with him. And David went and researched the word of God. Listen, isn't that amazing? That if you want to know what to do in life, research and read the word of God. And he went back and read the law of God and how it should be done. And David went and did it. And every step that they were making, they were praising God. In so much that David got so excited about the Ark of the Covenant coming back into Jerusalem that he stood before the Lord naked and was dancing before the Lord in his own place. But his wife got mad at him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, we're just going to move on. I'm not even going to make any jokes at all about it. But my wife put a picture of me on her phone yesterday. And, and it was the picture that I had that, that was blasted out on Facebook in the last few weeks of me in a Care Bear outfit. And, and, and the scripture that went along with it, it picked it, was that something about bearing one another's burdens. <laughs> so, how about that? <laughs> so... Praising the Lord, amen? I wish I had that reset button because I wouldn't have let her put it on there. But look, David is excited. But this is what is so cool about this scripture. David is Jewish. He's a king. He's of the tribe of Judah. He's a king over Israel, okay? Israel was so wrapped up in themselves that we even had a guy by the name of Jonah that was probably... Um, the racist prophet, what we would call him, he did not want other people believing in his God because he did not want that race of people knowing God because he said they were evil, the Ninevites. And uh, he rebelled against God in that. God said, I'll put you in a fish, amen. And, and the fish got nauseated and threw him up. And uh, Jonah finally went and did what he was supposed to do, but even then he did it in bitterness. But uh, Jonah did not want the Israelite, I mean, the nation of uh, the Ninevites to be saved because it would affect the Israelites and maybe cause more bondage. And basically what it was was he loved his people more than he loved other people. But I want you to notice that a lot of those Israelites did that. They were happy about being uh, part of the nation of Israel. But David, in the middle of this psalm right here, the shortest chapter in the Bible that we have, David in this psalm says, Oh, praise you the Lord, all of Israel. It's not what he said. Look at what he says. Oh, praise ye the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. David was saying God is not secluded. He is not bound down to just the nation of Israel. He said, all people praise the Lord. Look at what he says. For what? Why should we praise him? He tells us in verse 2, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. And then here's the part I want you to see. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. What he was saying is, is that the word of God will stand forever. David said, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise the Lord, all ye people. Why? For his great merciful kindness to us and his goodness to us. But he says, not only that, because his truth 
will stand and will endure forever. His enduring mercy and grace. Even, even David wrote a psalm about that. I think it's 136. That in every verse that he says, he says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Who has remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever. Over and over through that whole chapter, he talks about God's mercy enduring. In this chapter, he shows us that not only does God's mercy endure, but his truth will endure forever. Look over with me at Psalms 119 real quick, okay? And we're just going to do something real random. We're going to study the Bible tonight a little bit like you do, where you open it up, let it fall where it is, and you just go, uh, and you pick something, okay? I want you to look at verse number 58. Psalms 119, verse 58. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to what? Thy word. Right? Look at verse 85. The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. Throughout that whole chapter, church, every verse points to God's spoken and written word given to us. And it finds itself almost in the center of our Bibles, teaching us that the center of the walk for every believer should be the word of God. If you don't have a Bible... Get one. If you need one, we'll get you one. But you need to read your Bible. And I know, listen, this is what most people say, especially brand new Christians and stuff. Most people say, receive those words are so hard. There's sometimes it's things that I don't understand. Then listen, pray, go very slow, and get the parts you understand. Don't try to get it all. Get the parts you understand. Get the pureed sweet potato. And then pray later and get the big sweet potato. Right? Then get the cinnamon and the butter and all the good stuff, right? I want you to turn over with me to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4, we're going to read this tonight. Philippians chapter 4, talking about this reset button. The Bible says in verse number 8, Philippians 4 and verse 8, we're just going to talk about one verse tonight on that, and then I'm going to share something, then we're going to close. We're going to get out of here, and you're going to be out of here before the youth, possibly. Right? See, people want to stay. Look at verse 8. You got it? The Bible says, finally, comma, brethren. It says, finally. In other words, Paul's been leading up to something to this church at Philippi. Paul's been leading up and was trying to teach them something. He was telling them about rejoicing in the Lord. And and again, I say rejoice. He was talking about being thankful to the Lord. Paul was basically giving some guidelines of how they ought to be in praise and ought to be in worship. And that's where the whole theme is tonight, is that how are we praising God? Are we praising Him? And if we're not, then we need to reset. We need to have a reset button and get back to where we praise Him. Because what happens is, is we get too much junk in our minds and in our thoughts, and then we can't seem to get the praise out because here's this crazy thing that's being told truth and it's a lie and here's this truth that's told it's, it is a lie but it is the truth and here's all this other stuff that we got going on and all of a sudden you just need to go, I need to stop, I need to reset my life, I need to praise the Lord. That's what David said right in the middle of the shortest chapter, praise you the Lord. But now look at what he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. He says, finally, then look at the next part, he says, brethren. Paul's not speaking to the world. When you see the word brethren in there, when you see the word little ones in there, he's talking about us as believers. Paul says, finally, brethren. Look at the first thing that he says. Whatsoever things are true. You know what 
God's, God's using Paul to pin these words down, to give to the church at Philippi, to give to us. Some 1,950 or 2,000 years later, here we are, at North Highland Baptist Church in Warrior, Alabama, on November 20th, and we're talking about how we're trying to search for truth. You know what God tells you to do? Listen to me. He says, whatsoever things are true, gather them together. God says, gather the truth together. Think about what you know is true. Not about what you think may be true. Not about what you want to be true. But God says, whatsoever things are true. Do you know what is true? Psalms 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. Do you know what else is true? 1 John 5 and 7, casting your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Those are things that are true. The Bible says, first of all, Paul says, whatsoever things are true. Look at the next thing that he says, whatsoever things are honest. What do you mean by that? Being honest in the sense of having that innocence. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Paul's saying, grab a hold of these things. Look at the next one that he says. He says, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Say it with me. Whatsoever things are just. What is just? Right. Whatever things are righteous and that are right before God. See, the hard thing today is, is to establish the just. Because... It's so difficult to, to establish what is just among all of us today, in here and out in the world, because why? Because the just people, justified, just, walk among the unjust also. We are in this world. And Jesus said that I do not want you to think that I have called you to come out of this world and I'm going to take you out. No, he says, but what? He says, no, I want you to understand that you're going to be in the world but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And I'm going to be right there with you. And so God says to take the things that are true. And hold on to the things that are true. Paul even says one time he tells the, the church at Colossae and he tells the church at Galatia. He tells them to take together all of the things that they know about the faith. The things that they have heard, both heard from him and preached. He said take those things and contend for them. In other words, and if you know that it's true in the Word of God, then you contend for that. In other words, just like a boxing match, then you stand up for that, okay? You hold on to it. And what it means is it's not contending as a contender and, okay, Kim's going to punch me if I tell her something that's not true and she knows something that's true in the Bible. What it's talking about is that you do everything, Kim, not to allow me to take that truth from you. You say, why? Would you want to take that truth from her, Brother Steve? The exact same way that Jesus said that a sower went to sow. It says, and as he sowed, some seeds fell among what? The wayside. He said, some seeds fell among the stony ground. Some seeds fell among the thorns. And some seeds fell among the good ground, right? But what did he say about that, that wayside? He said, and they were trodden under the foot of men. In other words, men came by with their philosophies and their vain traditions, and they ruined the seed by stepping on it and trampling on it before it could ever take root into Kim's heart. God says, contend for the truth and for the faith. And not only that, but the Bible says that when those seeds were thrown among the wayside, what else happened? The fowls of the air, which is talking about in an evil sense, came down and gathered them up and swooped them and took them away before it could ever take any kind of root. 
what God tells us is that the things that we know that are true, the things that we know that are honest, and the things that we know that are just, we contend and we hold on to those things. And don't let anyone rob you of them. Hold on to them. How do you hold on to them, Brother Steve? Exactly what Psalms teaches us to do. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? And what we do is we take the word of God, the things that are true, the things that are honest and the things that are just, and we put them inside in practice of our lives so that it does what? It bears fruit like we talked about this past Sunday. Look at the next thing he says. He said, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, look at the next thing, whatsoever things are pure. Being pure in purity, those things that are holy, those things that are pure before the Lord, those things that are um, in the innocence of honesty, but in the purity of holiness. He's like, take those things, whatever things are pure. Here's the other thing. Whatsoever things are lovely. <laughs> I like that. And I'm going to talk about it in just a minute. But I like that word a little bit more than the others. The other ones seem like, okay, we understand that. It, they almost seem like school terms of Christian school. You know what I mean? Get the truth. Be honest. Take the pure things and all this stuff. When we get in this word lovely, uh, it begins to describe the characteristic of the Bible. I, I used to, I, I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'm going to wait to the end because I'm not going to cry the whole night. Look, whatsoever things, the next thing is, whatsoever things will have a good report. And then look at what he says. Number one, if there is any virtue at all, if there's any grounding, any virtue to it at all, and I love this, and if there be any praise. And what it actually is translated, it's translated in this way. If any of that that you have is praiseworthy, worthy of praise. What did he say? This next thing. He says, think on these things. The word is translated, it's a Greek word, logimios, something like that. I was trying to remember it all and I couldn't. But the word think is not just to, okay, think about it. But what it means, it means to meditate on it. I'm not, I'm not talking about meditation as the Buddhist and Hinduism and yoga and doing all those things in meditation. I'm talking about where you're actually taking the word of God and what you have read in that morning devotion that you have opened up the word. And you might not have understood it right then and there. It's a little hard sometimes at five o'clock in the morning if you're doing your devotion to understand it all. But what you did, what you did is you stuck it inside. You put it in that mind and in that heart. And throughout that day, you're meditating on it. You're praying on it. You're chewing on it. You're taking it in and you're going, Lord, what are you showing me? What are you teaching me? And listen to me. Sometimes you may not get it in that day. And it may be a day later, maybe two days later, maybe three days later, maybe months down the road. But what you did is you took that seed in and you meditate on it. The Bible says whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure. Then he says whatsoever things are, are lovely. When he says whatsoever things are lovely, I used to know an old preacher. And before every message he preached, he would grab his Bible and he would kiss it. And I used to think, you know, well, that's neat. You know, he loves the Bible, apparently. And he'd kiss that Bible and then he'd open it up and he'd preach on it. And I didn't understand it until I heard the message one time where it says that thy words are sweet as honey to my lips. 
And church, when you, when you are in love, not infatuated, but in love with the Word of God, you will realize how lovely this book is. Even, even listen, even on a Sunday when the pastor's preaching about seals of judgment and trumpets of judgment being opened up, and you look at that and you go, what can we find lovely in those first four trumpets? This past Sunday, what, you look at it, and if you think this past Sunday, you just better be ready to come this Sunday. There's a bottomless pit going to be opened up. And I'm not talking about your husband at the buffet. Listen to it with me. Just, just take the time to listen to this right here. This is what we preached Sunday. We can see the things that are true and honest. We can actually see, Sister Sherry, the things that are just. Because God is just in what he's doing in the tribulation time. He's just. We can find the virtue. We can find that. But when you stop for a moment and you go, God, there's nothing lovely about that wrath. Isaiah said it was a great Horrible or terrible day. A day of darkness, great doom, and death. So what do you hear that's loving? Let me read it to you. Just, just listen, even if you have to close your eyes and kind of pay attention. It says, The first angel sounded, and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees were burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. <clears throat> and the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire, it was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures that were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp. And it fell into the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded. And the third part of the sun was smitten. And the third part of the moon. And the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them all, they were darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it. And the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying in the midst of heaven. Saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe. To the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. You look at that scripture, okay? As a brand new person in Christ, you may go, I have absolutely no idea how to find anything lovely in that. As an outsider, definitely you go, there's nothing that seems lovely. What seems lovely is that the Bible says that Jesus' disciples rebuked them and told them to remove their children. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. You look at that and you go, wait, isn't that lovely? Don't you? You know what I mean? You go, bless their hearts. That's what you say in the South. That's lovely. Jesus raising Jairus' daughter. Watch a lovely story. Four men cutting a hole in the roof and letting their buddy down in the hole so that they could be in the, he could be in the house with Jesus. That's lovely. <laughs> These angels are blowing trumpets and Grass is being burned up, trees are burned up, rivers are turning, or seas are turning to blood, rivers are turning to wormwood or bitterness and all. And you're going, what is lovely about that? But see if you take time to get into the Word of God and speak and pray and ask God to help you, you would see that 12 times in just those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven verses I read, 
12 times there was a lovely phrase in there. Do you know what it was? One third. 12 times in those verses, it says one third. One third. God could have burnt up three thirds. He could have destroyed it all. But when we read one-third, we don't have to figure out a mathematical equation to understand what that is. you know what it is? That's grace. God's grace is lovely. Because men and women in the tribulation time are wicked and they are evil. And God is opening up the gates to give them what they think they've always wanted. But God says, only, you can only harm one-third of the grass. You can only harm one-third of the trees and the seas and the rivers. And you look at that and you go, God, you are lovely. That's why that man kissed his Bible. Because even when God unleashes his judgment, God still has grace enough to go only one-third because others will be saved. I don't know how that makes you feel, but that makes me feel so thankful. So thankful to the Lord. You know, and in doing that, God's saying over and over and over that I love these people. You look at that and you understand that God is long-suffering. And he's not willing that any should perish. Even when he says, it is enough, it's time. Even in that, Brother David, he goes, but I love creation and people so much. Only a third. Only a third. Church, the Bible says, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are pure and honest, just, lovely, of a good report. If there's any virtue in anything we can draw from to help our ethics and our morals, if there's any virtue that we can kind of put our place in, and he says, if there's anything, listen, I'm going to go back. If there's anything that is what? It's praiseworthy. He said, it's in these things. See, what I'm trying to get you to do is realize that God is worthy of our praise. Even in those seven verses, 12 times, it says one-third. You know what we can do today? Is that we can rejoice in the fact that God says one-third. And we can praise Him for that. See, what's happening to all of us is that outside information and outside reports and negative reports from news and from the world and social media and all this stuff, if you're honest with yourself, all of that stuff tends to come in. Even if you sat down, used to, you'd sit down and watch the news. When I was a little kid and we'd getting ready for school in the morning and I was going to uh, uh, Mortimer Jordan High School, 7th grade, you know. And so I was about 12 years old. And when we were getting ready in the morning, Country Boy Eddie would come on. Everybody knows Country Boy Eddie, especially up here, you know. I was watching Country Boy Eddie every morning. Cause, well, the reason I'd watch because I had a friend of mine that would sometimes go on there and sing. He had a guitar that was like humongous, and he was short and little. And so he looked like the thing on, that's in Crambo, you know, on the uh, old Tom and Jerry, you know. And he'd get up there and sing. Y'all probably know him, so I'm not going to name him. And, and, and I'd go to school, and he was a junior or senior, and I'd walk through the hall, and I was like, man, I was starstruck. He's on Country Boy Eddie this morning. He was on Country Boy Eddie. The girls would go on there and do their little clog and tap dancing and stuff like that. And I'd see them at school and I'd be like, oh, I saw them on Country Boy Eddie. You know? And it seems like, and I know I'm, I'm probably wrong in this, but it seems to me that when I go back into my memories in my childhood, that that was what it was about. I went to school in the morning singing that same stupid song, 328-R-E-N-T, that calls Happy Rent. If you watch Country Boy Eddie, you were embedded with that song by Happy Howl, 
you know, the happiest man on the face of the earth at that time. And I thought that was the corniest song ever. And I was like, but when I'd go to school, sit on the bus, I'd be singing, three, two, eight, or eight, make us happy, you know. That was what I thought about every day when I turned the news on. Three murdered in Walmart. Girl taken from college. Death, 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 death. And while those things and those stories, listen to me, are true, this is the truth that he's talking about that you need to get through that. He says, if there's anything that will cause you to praise him, it's going to be things that are true, honest, just, pure, and of a good report, and lovely. He said it's going to be those things that you're going to have to start drawing from. Do you remember Sunday night? We cut that tree up. Do you know that in looking at the tree today, the tree, you can't, when we were grafting that scion on there this Sunday night, you can't graft it into the wood of that tree. You can't split that tree down the middle and put that thing inside the wood because that's not the life of that tree. As a matter of fact, when you go cut a tree down, you'd understand that in each ring it shows you how old they would be because why? Well, it's like their life years. The life is actually not on the bark, not on the tree. It's inside, in between the bark and the tree. And there's this layer that has the life, and it grows, and it gets bigger. And what's awesome about trees is that as they get bigger and bigger and bigger, what do they do? They get sturdy. They get firm in order to do what? To withstand certain things that go on. But they've got to have the bark on the outside because they can't always draw all of their nourishment and their moisture and all of the things that they need from that way, no, it's got to fall into the soil and it's got to come up through the roots. And that's what God's telling us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8 is that whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just and, and pure and, and lovely and of a good report, you've got to draw it from the source. And you're going to have to start drawing it out of this source right here. And you know what, that, you know what will happen to you? That bitterness that you feel sometimes because of all of this fake and lies and backbiting and gossiping that goes on among us all the time, every single day of our lives, where you can't get a true story out there for anything, that bitterness will go away because you'll do what? You'll start having something that's praiseworthy. You'll start praising God. He said, if there's anything that's praiseworthy, what did he say? He says, think, meditate on these things. Here's what I wanted to tell you is that you can't reset. There's, you can't reset. There's no reset button. <laughs> we, listen, we're not going to be able just to go, you know what, I wish I had that out of my mind. How, how many of you have sinned? You better raise your hand because if you don't, you're sinning now. <laughs> You've sinned. Here's the thing that God's taught me over the years is that we ask God to forgive us and sometimes we go back and do those things. We, I've talked with my friends about this. We talk about it a lot. Sometimes we end up going back and doing those things. You know why? Because we think when we confess it that we just kind of reset, reset the button. But we can't just reset it because those things are in the thoughts. I had a preacher friend of mine that used to tell me that what goes in the eyes, eye gate, and in the ear gate, you just can't reboot the system anymore. You know, you're, you're not a Commodore 64. <laughs> Some of you are that old. Uh, you're not a computer that can just be rebooted. You can't reboot. And my dorkiness did this, and Patty made me do it this way so that you would all love it. But we can. <laughs> we can replace it. We can replace it. 
have to replace it. You understand what I'm telling you is that all of that stuff that you're filling yourself with, whether, listen, I don't have it with me, but whether it's on a phone, whether it's news reports that come to your phone, you know how many times WBRC alerts me every day and every single one of them seemed to be bad, something negative over and over to where it got to where I had to take it off. I had to take it off because it was filling with this roots of bitterness, constant. And, and you know what? You've got to replace it. And what I'm saying is, is that instead of spending time, let me say it like this. What would our churches be? What would our worship services be? If the people in church spent just as much time reading their Bible as they do, reading newspapers, watching news, and on social media. How much would you know about God versus sharing a goofy video? And I'm not against goofy videos. I like goofy videos. But you can't let it take away from the time of the source that you need. So you don't get a reset, but what you got to do is you got to replace it. That piece of paper that I gave you is absolutely blank. Okay, It's not like your mind. Your mind is full of junk. It's full of stuff. It's cluttered with sugar highs from donuts. It's messed up. You've got thoughts in your mind. You're thinking about stuff. You ladies know what you're riding down the road and you're just thinking about what's going to go on at Christmas. You know, you're thinking about, uh, listen, I got one thought in my mind in the last couple of days is it's the only thing I, is, is how much of the men is going to be. That's my thought for right now. I'm wanting to go fishing. And I'm thinking about it constantly. And I'm going to do something about it. Right? But you got all that stuff in your mind. I want, I want you, and I know this is silly, but I want you to look at that piece of paper. It's absolutely blank. Absolutely blank. And I want you to be able to not, when you go home, you, know, you can stay here to do it. You got time, you can do it here. Or when you go home, I want you to look at that and say, Lord, I want you to make my heart and my mind like this piece of paper, blank, from all of the negative. And I want you to take the time to write down things in your life that you know are true, things that you know that are honest, things that you know that are lovely. Maybe a grandchild, maybe a husband or a wife. Write down those things. Don't just take that piece of paper home and don't do this. Okay? You can. You don't have to do anything. But I'm just trying to help. And then I want you to take it and I want you to put it in your Bible. And every time you read your Bible, I want you to add to it what you find out that's true and honest and lovely. And when you feel all of that outside negativity, fakeness and all that coming in on you, I want you to take that out and read it. Now listen to me. I want you to wait until two years down the road and you're in my office and you're crying and you're boohooing and now you can't do anything about it. I want you to replace those things now, tonight, and start today so that you can go, you know what? Two years from now, you can be in my office going, but Steve, it's my list. <laughs> Just pull that thing out, and it's got truth, honesty, good report. Put those things on there. That way, when you're blindsided by the negative, bad reports, you'll have something to do what with? Praise ye the Lord, all ye nations. Praise ye the Lord, all you people. Amen. Thanking him for what he's done. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the service.